some participants too. We do. Looks like we've got you know the three of you guys, me, and a couple other people. Hey, you know what? That's a win. I think so. Hey, everybody. Looks like we've got a few people on. Great. So let's start this thing off. Uh, welcome to the uh, ultra happy hour. Hope everybody's got a drink. Whether that's uh, ginger ale or bourbon, doesn't matter to us, whatever you like. Um, this is our first of uh, these informal over drinks conversations about different topics. Uh, we're talking about UAS privacy today a little bit. Um, who we have here with us, it's myself, I'm Ray Adams. We've got Ron Leach of Leach Strategic Partners, who is our sponsor today. Thank you to Ron and Leach Strategic Partners for sponsoring Ultra. My pleasure. Bill somehow, right? <laughs> we got Travis Moran. He's down in my right bottom corner. I don't know where he's on your screen. And Brian Leventhal's up on my top left side. A um, couple of things going on here. We have the ability to uh, take questions. Should we want? Does anybody want to throw some questions at us? There's a Q&A function. We can you can throw them at us that way. Uh, you can hit me on LinkedIn or even text me if you got my number, and I will get the uh, questions out to you. Uh, what else do I have to say here? We're going to wrap this thing up around six o'clock because that's when happy hours over, right? I mean. Uh, what else can we say? I think we should just start this thing off, right? Now, you can't start out happy hour without a drink. Looks like Brian's got his drink already anyway. <laughs> I was waiting to pour my drink. Got my glass. Oh, sorry. I got a head start. Some of us. My ice is melting. Anyways, so I think we should start off with a toast, right? So I'm going to pour my drink. I got my high west. We got, I get your Buffalo Trace, Ron? What I did was uh, I, I kind of flirted, flirted it out there, teased it out there a little bit. What am I going to have? Is it going to be neat or on the rocks? I, uh, uh, well, you know what? I went, with, I went with the Buffalo Trace tonight with, with one ice cube. That's it. Okay, there you go. And, and, and I had the water out of the glass before. So, so here we are. I'm on deck. Travis, what do you got? What's Travis got? I see nothing in his hand. I got Clyde Matthews bourbon and a sweet tea and a little lemon. Look at that. That's right. Beautiful. Hold on. I'm going to pour. I'm going to pour. So I went with something a little different. I like sharing this with people. It's called Screwball. Oh, good it's choice. A, it's a peanut, peanut butter, butter whiskey. Yeah, it is tasty. I like yeah, that. It it's, it's a little on the sweet side, but uh, after dinner, it's good. So awesome. I'm doing it before dessert before dinner tonight. <laughs> Way to go. Hey, so let's all raise a toast. This is the uh, the first ultra happy hour. Here's to you guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right, meeting over. That's good. <laughs> I'm showing off. I got the uh, the four roses glass today. Nice. Straight out, straight out I, Kentucky. I went with uh, Aerospace Arizona. The fine folks gave that to me there when I went last year for a conference. Yeah. They don't make uh, bourbon though, do they? No, they don't make bourbon, but uh, they gave me a glass and I'm drinking out of it. So I'll give a shout out to Horizon Helicopters, where I started my journey as a helicopter pilot in Newark, Delaware. He gave me these fine glasses uh, with with his helicopter, 4015 Golf, a jet ranger, one of nice. my first uh, jet aircraft, uh, turbine aircrafts uh, for, for helicopters. So here's to them. And it should say eight more hours on there every time out. you take a sip. <laughs> shout out to Mama's dishwasher. <laughs> Whatever works. 
<laughs> Outstanding. So let's uh, let's get this this shindig started here, right? So we got uh, three experts on UAS, um, law enforcement, right? So you guys are all uh, law enforcement tied to and uh, have experience in this realm. So we're we're talking about UAS privacy, right? So we all kind of know uh, a little bit about probably some of the, the issues that have gone on recently, or not even recently, but there's been, you know, incidents with drones and, and police use of drones. And of course, once you start talking about the, the S word surveillance, it turns into a, a big legal mess. So, you know, I was talking to Ron the other day about this a little bit. And, uh, you know, he, he, he always, he brings everything right back around to his experience in the field. And it's really, really cool to hear from somebody who's actually had to do like investigations of nuisance complaints and, and, and stuff like that, how an officer goes to a scene and actually kind of teases out the facts and tries to figure out what's going on. So we were, we were talking back and forth about this and we tried to figure out how that was that law enforcement process applied to a U.S. complaint, right? Like somebody's flying their, their, uh, their drone over my backyard and they're spying on my kids or whatever it is, and I get pissed off, I call the cops. And then we started digging into the, the, the law and the regulations and all the kind of stuff around it. And really what it comes down to is there's, there's not a lot of specifics on this from what I can tell. So if you guys wanna kind of pick up from there and try to educate me because I'm the only non-UAS expert here and our audience on, on these type of things and, and what you see coming. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it right right away from from Travis here. I got the football, clueless, careless, and criminal, right? So anytime you see our faces, you're gonna hear those three words. So I, I kind of beat them to the punch a little bit today. I think um, I think the conversation that we you're alluding to had to deal with a major city on the East Coast uh, that was using an airplane to basically conduct surveillance over the city um, and use that data to try to solve some crimes. Now, you know, they may be operating at, you know, 10, 15,000 feet, but that the cameras are able to zoom in and, and, you know, get license plates and some other things, just some really cool technology. I, I think Travis can probably weigh in on, on, you know, where some of that stuff is going, but we need to bring it down to the, to the 1,000, 1,200 foot, 1,500 foot view where um, as drones proliferate in public safety, we need to be aware and have that standard set uh, nationwide. Is, you know, what are we going to agree on as far as our standards go? Uh, you know, state to state, the laws are going to vary. So, you know, privacy may be more important in some states than in others. But, you know, I think as, as the conversation unfolds, you'll hear some of that today. Uh, so uh, what Ron is alluding to, and um, it's public knowledge, what happened in uh, Baltimore, and it had been going on for quite some time in secret, and it actually had, had been going on uh, in some other southwestern locales. Um, is a limited use of what they call whammy technology. And it's wide area motion imagery. And what whammy simply is, is it was developed and it was developed first and harvested uh, for use in the city in Iraq uh, and Afghanistan eventually. And what it, what it can do is it has the ability with the, with a, it's a phalanx of cameras. And you're talking about a much heavier duty drone, you know, Reapers, Arcutus, Nines and whatnot. Um, that have that ability uh, to fly. 
because it's, it's heavy technology. But what they can do is they can see out 30 kilometers and they can see everything <clears throat> for 30 kilometers. Right down to, let's say you have a, a someone guide a VBID into a, a location, they can track back with that imagery to where that vehicle came from, who got into that vehicle, and it's just not that person or that vehicle. They can do multiple pathway tracks. So if you have four or five different assailants or, or targets, you can track and, and understand what is going on, where they came from, who they interacted with, go back in time. Uh, all that stuff is live time recorded and then it, and it's stored. Um, it's it takes a lot of storage space. It's amazing technology. But from the civil side of it, which is what we're talking about, this brings up huge issues with like ACLU, the Electronic Privacy Foundation, uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, um, you know, are bringing up with, with, with regard to these kinds of things because who's getting sucked up in that sort of like license plate readers beyond the actual target. So uh, that's that piece and I'll, I'll, I'll step back because I think then we'll have to pivot to the RID UTM construct and how that plays into techs and let's and the lack of understanding about people that want to be involved in UTM. So while we're kind of talking about the, the thing going on in Baltimore, I think what I found interesting when I read the article and kind of piqued my curiosity was they were using the imagery in conjunction with other sensors. So it wasn't just the imagery, they were using it with um, LPRs or license plate readers um, gunfire sound detectors and street level cameras. So I think it kind of puts a little different twist. Um, I don't know, kind of seems like it puts a little twist on, on how they're using that and that it's already being used with some other sensors um, on, on the street. Sounds like a surveillance state. It sounds like, sounds like China. <laughs> It's like minority, minority Report, right? You walk by and like read your eyeball or something like that and it knows where you're going. It's what it sounds like to me. You know, it's... Um, so some of that I has come up lost with... A lot of privacy, you know, over, over the, the last 10, 15 years with cell phones and with, uh, you know, just all of this technology out there, even license plate readers. I mean, really, that's, you know, you can't, you can't be zipping around anymore without somebody reading your license plate. But... Um, I guess there's an expectation that you're going to lose some privacy, but at some point, you know, we're not just talking about a government actor that's usurping, you know, your, your right to privacy it, with, with a drone. It can be like your, your neighbor down the street can be, you know, taking pictures over the, over your fence. I was telling Ron, I've got 15 foot hedges around the back of my yard by my pool. Like you can't see in from the street and my house is set way back. But you fly over my, my hedges with your drone, you can see in my backyard, right? So, you know, when you're not a government entity or law enforcement, whatever you want to, anybody who's subject to the laws around, um, you know, surveillance, um, how, do you, how do you control this? You know, to, how, do you, how do you deal with those nuisance issues? Or maybe it's a bad actor. It's not being criminal per se, but maybe it's just, you know, hey, he knows there's a good looking girl at the pool next door and he wants to fly over and take a look, right? There's... You know, there are going to be people out there doing that. So how do we deal with that? So, so I think a, we're kind of uh, – yeah, go ahead. No, no that's fine. Uh, I, I think we're kind of talking about two different things here. So the thing that's going on in Baltimore is is definitely uh, one set of issues. But when you start talking about what you're, you're mentioning, Ray, that um, – I think what's going to kind of 
help law enforcement from an investigative point would be something like remote ID. Um, so, you know, if you've got a somebody flying a drone over your house that you think they're looking at you and you, you don't you don't want that flying over you, you're going to have something that it's kind of like a license plate, something that lets you get some kind of identifying information that you can hand off to law enforcement that they can then find out who the operator is. Um, but that's assuming it's something that's equipped with the remote ID. Um, but I think that's, I think both are important to talk about, but I think they're kind of two different avenues as far as privacy goes. So, so there's something that's important to understand is, is the lanes, right? Public versus public safety and you know, government kind of thing. We, we definitely don't want the surveillance state. 50 different states may have 50 different levels or layers of protection, constitutional issues. New Jersey, as, as, as liberal as we are with the government, actually builds in some extra constitutional protections. What's important to understand is we, as, as, as everyday people, we give up a lot of privacy to, to this. Uh, cell phones, technology, you know, we sign off on the end user agreement, nobody reads it. Um, so the private companies, they can do what they wish with our data. It's, it's when the law enforcement com component comes in and knocks on the door and says, hey, listen, uh, you know, we've been, we've been keeping an eye on somebody and, you know, they're a customer of yours. We'd like to have their data. And, you know, you, we're, some of the lines are getting a little blurred there as far as, you know, how intrusive uh, we're allowing people to be. Um, you know, I, I, Travis is, is definitely has some opinions on the RID and, and I think he's spot on with with some of the shortfalls. So it's kind of a Pandora's box uh, that, that, that Ron's talking about there, um, quite honestly. <clears throat> so to pivot back to what Brian was talking about, in, and Ron has heard me say this a lot of times, especially about technology. Technologists like to think that they can, it, all the problems will be solved by technology, right? So let's build the technology first, we'll worry about the problems later. It's kind of what's happened with drones. Well, it's going to be great. We're going to build it and uh, envision it from the sky. But the problem is it's about what happens on the ground. So RID is a step, but it is, it's got so many pieces and parts and problems to it. And pivoting back again to what Brian was saying, if you have, if you get a call, let's say it's a harassment call um, into a neighborhood and you pull up to that neighborhood, the officer pulls his RMP radio patrol car up to, the, to that neighborhood. And they, under the, you know, the thought process, they you know, stick their phone up in the air and it tells them that, oh, there's six up there. All right, which one of the six do I deal with? If the, the complainant has a name and the, and the person flying the drone is, is, is registered to that particular drone and is flying at that time, that may be where you direct your resources. The problem is, if you've got six, how do you delineate which one and where they are that you're going to first go to? RID has to understand, and FAA has to understand that if that is the, that is the construct then, all simultaneously, all 1020s, uh, I'm using brevity code, sorry, all, um, all those runs, registration runs, are going to have to be done simultaneously, okay? And if someone comes, if out of that six, one pops up as being a, a prior sex offender or something of that nature, because of limited resources in law enforcement, that's probably where you're going to want to direct your resources first. 
but that brings up that whole problem of what about the other five that were also run in you know incongruently with the, the one who may be a problem and that's just the 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 first pivot point. The second pivot point is if you're gonna have the public-private partnership running this, and we just had this, and I posted about this, I don't know where recently, um, uh, oh, and cell phone apps, that a, a private company is gonna be in one of those micro UTMs, is gonna have that interface of that data, because it only can be done from a micro standpoint right now and for, and for the foreseeable future they're gonna have responsibility then for somehow connecting to Enlets, which is the National Law Enforcement Telecommunications System, Treasury Enforcement Communications System, where this is technically gonna be housed through TSA, and then the bounce off of the, the Criminal Justice Information System with the FBI. The audit and policy and procedures to do that are unbelievably difficult and stringent. And so how, I don't know if these companies understand that yet, or I don't know how, I'm wait, really interested to see how RID is going to look when they promulgate it here, hopefully in December. Uh, but these are very complicated issues that they've got and I'll shut up. Well, just, just real quick with the audit process, the audit is to build in the protection for the public so somebody isn't searching these databases uh, inappropriately. So I'm sorry, Brian, you were gonna say something? No, uh, Okay. just agreeing. <laughs> yeah, so, and here, Travis brought up another point too. The FAA isn't equipped to handle criminal justice information. They're an administrative agency. They're there to maintain the safety of the national airspace system. Are we gonna now expect them to be responsible for records that may or may not expose somebody um, you know, who's, who's just doing their job? If, if you get access to a criminal history, you know, even by accident, um, frontline officers have to sign off and put their badge number or some kind of ID associated with any criminal history inquiry and and that's going to create its own problems as well um it got yep. and who's and who's going to link that negative information right who's going to link the negative information that, they, that you know the faa is going to have registration information and then this person <clears throat> may have a you know the sex offender registry or whatever prohibitive uh, you know background and and linking those two is is a huge administrative process I don't know that that should be linked, especially on the FAA side. Well, I don't think it should be linked on the FAA side at all. But um, right. I think that that's up to the individual officer to do the investigative process. If if it's if it's an instance where a drone's being used to you know watch children or something where it would involve a sex offender, I think then it's incumbent on the officer to you know go through the extra steps of matching the two people and searching other databases. I don't, I don't know that it should be linked. It, I mean, again, definitely not on the FAA side, but. That's the point. So under RID, how do you do that? If you, again, under that scenario where, where the technologists want to have <clears throat> ubiquitous drones in the air someday, how as an officer, when we arrive and we're looking up there, do we discern which one with limited resources? How do we, where do we steer our resources, specifically because they're not all in the same location? Right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's an investigative process, just like any other crime or investigation. And you've got to manage your resources and, so you, um, you know, use, use what clues you can get and your investigative process and, um, you know, do, do some legwork. You may not, it may be something where you don't get an answer right away. It may take a few days to finally 
parse through all the different pieces and find out who the, the person is. Um, I think it's, you know, it's like anything. It's a, it, I think sometimes with technology, we want a quick, fast, easy solution. Um, but I think, you know, all this is new and emerging. Um, and I think going slower rather than faster is in everyone's best interest. Uh, even if it means a couple extra steps for the officer on the street. The analogy I used uh, with Ray with our conversation was, you know, air traffic control, um, they want to get a plane out of their airspace so they can, you know, it, you know, it's less work off their plate. So we don't want to see law enforcement cutting corners and relying heavily on, on technology instead of doing the good old fashioned police work that's required when you're building a case. You know, it's easy to go and check a database, but you know, what are you there for? So you know, again, this this whole thing loops into privacy and you know how we're gonna gonna use technology to our benefit and how are we gonna investigate um, you know drone issues when you know hey somebody's looking at my daughter's over the fence you know or you know you have the realtor who's you know just trying to do his job and now you have you know RID in, information available and you know the you know the guy can say hey look I, I'm inspecting a roof but you know now people are gonna be vigilante potentially. You know, or, you know, Brian, I'm sure, you know, you, you go to calls where people have nothing better to do, but, but complain, right? You know, they, they don't call cops and say, say, Wait, well, listen, I'm having, I'm having a great day. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a great day. Come on over and talk to me, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah, yeah I, see, I mean, just listen to you guys. I see so many different issues, like crossovers, like, like all the way up from like, like constitutional search and seizure kind of stuff. And then I see all these things. Privacy issues on both sides, like the privacy is the information coming into the drone, you know, be a camera or whatever, the telemetry you have, and the information that's being on the drone itself, which you have to compartmentalize or something like that, and, you know, permission to some extent. And, and, and you know, as a layman guy, right, I'm just thinking about it as if this idiot behind me wants to fly over my house and harass me, well, I'm going to call the cops. And, you know, real quick, how. Halloween was last week, so that voice has got to go. Is my voice messed up? You sound like a droid again. <laughs> okay, let me, uh, let me see if I can fix this because my, my 12 year old says, they just change it in the uh, thing here. Let's, right, hold on. There you go. There you go. I'm better already. I just got to keep changing microphones like every five minutes. Maybe you were drinking more bourbon than the rest of us. Well, no. If I stay now, if my if I start slurring, that's a different story. Okay, one glass. Well, that was a digital slur. <laughs> now, technology. Glass deep, it might it might happen. Real quick before we move on, from what Ron, you know, the point he was making is, I had a conversation two years ago. I won't say which company, but it was one of the one of the big technology companies out of the ones that are involved in, um, you know, wanting to do delivery. Um, yeah delivery, that, that business model. Uh, and I brought up that exact point uh, that, that Ron was talking about and that, you know, putting the cart before the horse and that, you know, you guys don't understand. People call the police for everything. I said, you know, sometimes a laborer will start a mower at 7 a.m. on Sunday, they call the police. Mm -hmm. And they were engineers and technologists and they looked at me as honest as could be, and said, oh, no, they don't. Yeah, yes, they do. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Especially when you get old like me. Start yeah. calling out. Kids had a party the other night across the street. Shaky fist. Hey, <laughs> Call the police. I'm trying to sleep here. 
I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I mean you, I, you I pay my salary, a, so you call, I'm supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what they tell me. Right. It's, it's going to be, um, I, I was trying to figure out the other day, right? We were talking, Ron and I, like what, how do you translate what regulations or laws are on the books? Let's call it for a hobbyist, right? You, you got misdemeanor or administrative crimes, like I don't know what trespassing is considered or what, what um, the peeping Tom laws are considered. We were talking about the other day, maybe they're misdemeanors. Um, you know, how, how do they translate over to using a drone? Like is it, you know, is there any, do you, do you need to get more explicit in local law or in state law about what these misdemeanors are classified as when using a drone or because, you know, Ron and I were, were talking, it was like, well, what if you climbed up on a tree and you looked over some guy's fence? Is that the same as flying a drone over the tree and looking over the guy's fence, right? So how do we, how do we translate these things? So uh, well, what, 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 I'm sorry, what, what started that whole conversation was there was an article recently about there's no national standard. And again, you know, I briefly touched on 50 different states, 50 different layers of uh, protection for your citizen. 50 different attorney generals have, have an opinion about things, right? So I'm big on, you know, not reinventing the wheel. We already have laws on the books and the drone is merely the new tool that comes onto the stage. So, you know, like what Brian was talking about earlier it was like the, the officer really, it's incumbent where they really have to investigate what, what is it I'm here for, right? And the complainant has to explain to the officer, hey, listen, here's what happened. Here's why I'm bothered, you know, and, and that's going to be the starting point. Um, whether they're using a drone or a cherry picker or climbing a tree or using a telephoto lens through a, you know, a, a third story window, it's still the same issue. It's just, you know, using a different technology for that. So I'm sorry, Brian, get, I cut you off. No, you, you just kind of, I was going to basically go with the avenue you just took. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it, I think it, a lot of it also comes down to, um, you know, people and groups like us need to reach out to legislators and, and talk to them about what this technology is. Um, you know, it's kind of our responsibility to educate them and help them understand um, what the technology is, what it can do, what it can't do um, so that we don't end up with crazy laws or we don't end up reinventing the wheel. Um, so it's just uh, being active and involved with that group as well. Yeah, this is going to be, uh, I think, challenging. I, I just saw, it, it's funny, I just saw a, uh, a post on Twitter that a local community <clears throat> across the county from me didn't realize that they couldn't regulate drones below 400 feet. And they put a law, they put a regulation or a, or a law on the books. And somebody was like, just kind of mocking them on Twitter. Like, what are you stupid? You can't do this, right? I, forget, I don't forget who it was. It might, it might have been Brian Garrett Glazer or something like that. It might have been his post. Um, so I, I actually tried, I, I pinged him on, on Twitter, like, hey, we can help you out with this, by the way. But uh, I don't know if there's an understanding at the municipal level about how these things work or what, what the potential is to royally screw up your, your municipal court cases going forward. <clears throat> how do we like address that kind of stuff? What can we do, right? Well, it's a great question. 
<laughs> well, I mean, here, here we go. Here we go. I win. That's what we're doing. I mean, we're just four guys, so you can't. How do you, how do you reach all the different municipalities? Um, I, I don't know what the good answer to that is. Um, you know, I think if you hear stuff pop up in the news, um, try. I mean, if you wanted to try and reach out to a city leader or something, I, I don't know. I don't know what the good answer to that is. I mean, there's got to be like, so there are organizations out there like NASAO, which is the National Association of State Aviation Officers, right? They talk to all the DOTs across the different, or, you know, whatever DOT aviation across the states. Um, you know, and then there's also like in New Jersey's legal municipalities, right? Which has a, a, a big thing with all the municipalities come down and they do presentations and it's basically a big political thing. But, but anyway, yeah. So there's got to be some way to, it's you know, get people get the dialogue going get people toward a standard um, well, i think the way ray that the, in the missing piece and, and ron you better back me up on this um, <laughs> is you got what he what he said <laughs> he hasn't said it yet <laughs> iacp the national sheriff's foundation need to get involved heavily in the policy piece of this, along with the municipalities and the states. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, 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 governance thing of, of, of what you're talking about, Ray, where there's uh, uh, municipal, uh, I forget what they call them, um, like county and city administrators. You know, that has to happen for a national, it's the same conversation that is happening on use of force right now, that there has to be a national standard. And, you know, if you can implement, promulgate, derive and implement a national standard on this, then then a lot of this stuff can, can go away or the, th the challenges that do come up are all challenged on the same standard. And, and that's, the, that's the problem. And I think that to, to be able to do that, uh, it just takes, I mean, like the Drone Advisory Committee, well, for a long time, the Drone Advisory Committee didn't even have a single person with law enforcement experience on it. Well, how does that work? When it's, I mean, it makes no sense. So, these, the national, and again, we have tried to get, push them into, into this um, so that they would, they'll be more involved and they, and they need to be because this isn't something that is pie in the sky now. This is coming and it, it's, it's, you know, law enforcement is slow to react to technology. We always have been. But once we do figure it out, then all the problems come. For example, you know, using putting out, you know, pen registers and trap and trace devices and all this kind of stuff. Once we figured it out, man, we used them. <laughs> but then we got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so real quick on the pen register, that's the wiretap laws that Travis was getting into. From from a law enforcement perspective, I, listen, you're, you're doing a great job. And, and messaging, <laughs> I think, is key. But understanding, you know, the restrictions, limitations on law enforcement, it gets back to that public and private thing, right? We just can't go and start hoovering up information about you. Uh, even, even Google got in trouble for looking up, you know, for driving through neighborhoods and getting Wi-Fi addresses and ended up settling stuff out. But uh, I just wanted to, 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 you know, for those who didn't understand the pen register, um, it still is in the same vein of, of warrants and what law enforcement's responsibility, our citizens nationwide have an expectation of privacy that the drone use won't be used against them, surveillance state kind of thing. So I'm sorry, Travis, you're, you're spot on, by the way. Oh, you're right. I mean, I, that's the clarification matters. Appreciate that. So, oh, yeah. let me just I mean, kind of no. Go ahead. Yeah, right. No, go ahead, man. So, I was just going to say, from a law enforcement perspective, let me throw this out there, just for agencies that 
don't have a program that want to start a program, um, walk, crawl, walk, crawl, run. So what I always advise, this is how I first got into using drones and it worked very well and was extremely well received. Use drones to map crash scenes. You're doing it to get officers and fire and EMS out of the road as quick as possible. You're doing it to clear up the road as fast as possible. No one is going to have a problem with you using technology to clear up the road so that they can get through that traffic jam quicker. Um, get familiar with the technology that way. And once you start getting familiar with it, then you can start branching out and doing other operations and kind of move through it in a progression. It seems like I think some agencies try and just go straight to the you know, tactical SWAT team entry, use it on, you know, warrant surveillance and all this other stuff. And I think they can almost not saying that they're doing anything wrong, but you could almost get yourself in a situation where you're going to set some case law or precedent or something kind of that you don't, don't want to do. be that guy, right? Yeah. Don't want to like, be that guy. Yeah, you told me that, right? no, we, I don't want to be that guy. Was, Whenever a policy comes out in law enforcement, it's like, oh, I know who who got that policy written for him. Or it's that's like, because there's a name off. attached to it. There's a name. Right? It's going to be Levin telling me what. Yeah, we have legal updates every year for our annual in service, and it's always like case law, and it's officer, and they, you know, it's straight from the court case. Officer so and so did this, that, and the other, and because of that, you don't want to be that. Yeah, guy. They, they, they anonymize the Your audios. Yeah. yeah. If if, if I do this, it's your audio, right? The devil. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just <laughs> No, no good. So, so Brian is going to be a helicopter pilot now. Yeah, you're, you're good. Brian's going to be a helicopter pilot. He, he's joining the ranks. So he's going to get to see, and, and it kind of touches on the drone stuff. So police aviation is nothing new. We've been doing this for, for years, probably as long as we've been flying, there's been a use for it. So if, if I'm flying along and I see a marijuana field in my, my area of responsibility, that's fair game. But if somebody, you know, a police department calls up and says, hey, listen, we think uh, there's some stolen equipment behind this fence. Can you take a peek for us? Uh, no bueno. That's my Spanish for the night, you know. You got to go and get, get, get the warrants and, and do your due diligence and, and investigate the case properly. And, and that's what's important. With, and, Ray, you, you brought it up several times that, you know, the easy access to, to drones and public safety proliferation, they're going to realize just how good this tool is. And, and, and Brian, it's called mission creep when you realize how good it is here, right? You, right. What, you, what you start off doing is you may not expect, you know, to be doing down the road. But, you know, it, having that understanding, I think, is really important that, you know, if, if, you, if you could see it, and, and Travis, you could probably talk about pole cameras, you know, with, with uh, your background, there, you know, in, in, in techno you know, sur surveillance technology. Um, if you're authorized to be there, it's, it's fair game. It's in the public domain. But it, if you try to use technology to get unfair advantage, th that's where I see a privacy issue. That's where I see UAS, UTM, all that stuff as being a problem for us and, and possibly getting that, that tool limited for us. A couple of things I, I just heard there, right? So mm -hmm. what's the difference between a pole camera being stationary and a drone that's directed? Is there something in the law that's different about that? I mean, or is it an, an ambiguous 
piece of you know law that kind of fits between the case law and stuff like that. Well, you know? in the old days, before, before the old days like three years ago. Like, are, we, are we putting saddles on horses here or what? Guys, so, you know, I don't know I, <laughs> or is this pre-internet? <laughs> I'll start with I'll start with a trigger fish. This answers your question, Ray. And a trigger fish, for those who don't know, is a it was a a, a, a mobile cellular device. Uh, Celebrate and a couple of other companies used to make them, and it would suck up. It would imitate a cell phone uh, that was in the area, and then it would suck up all the uh, cell phone numbers that that as you move, right? And um, back years, a few years ago, you used to be able to get that under this the 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 smallest of administrative, uh, I mean, a court order or less sometimes would get you the authorization to use a trigger fish. Um, and told someone woke up and was like, wait a minute, you're sucking all this information up. You can't do that, right? So that was the mobile application, which is typical uh, and kind of in congruent with what Ron was talking about with regard to a pen register. But a pen register is directed. It also required a court order. Now it has to have a search warrant. Um, and so a poll cam, it is um, still the same kind of construct in that, but it is fixed, but you do have to articulate a reason to be there. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the key, um, you know, administratively, you're gonna have to be able to at least get over that hurdle. Some agencies have administrative power uh, to do it for, you know, national security investigations and whatnot, uh, but most don't. So it's a, we've gone to a process, which is better to protect privacy of papering over these things and articulating it. The problem is, and Brian will, and Ron can also attest to this, the, the, at the magisterial level, the knowledge base, uh, <laughs> here in Virginia, we literally have, and this is no offense to your plumbers, we literally have, you know. They make good money. Yeah, they do. <laughs> we literally have some people that are magistrates who go through a literally a 40 hour course they're not lawyers. They've never been to constitutional law class or anything. They've had a 40 hour course and they are, they are the ones that sign off on the most intrusive part of the constitution. And so, you know, if you want to extrapolate back, that's, there's the biggest breakdown in our system because that's what happens. And in, in so many of these instances now of challenge search warrants, um, whereby, you know, they're, they're not doing the Aguilar challenge. I can get way very technical in this, but there's protections built in, but the protections that are built in are only as good as the people that understand the protections. So quick tip to law enforcement officers, just off of your thing, no offense to magistrates, but when I did crash reconstruction and I had big cases, I always went to a superior court judge unless it was a just absolute, I had no choice, needed it right now. And the magistrate was the only option because like what you were saying with the challenges. But typically, you go to a superior court judge. You don't have that. But that's a sidebar. Yeah, we're totally <laughs> back, back to UAS privacy. You know, I think we're totally getting like the the, the nerd award for this this webcast right now because we're really well, like digging deep, man. Well, 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 let's see if anybody has we need any to questions drink a little about faster because this is getting a little too deep. Is, is there any questions about some of the stuff we talked about? Are we did we lose anybody? Is anybody? I think everybody second? fell asleep. Second four, maybe. Anybody still awake out there? I mean, I'm falling asleep, and I haven't even had more than one drink yet. Oh, Devil Boy wants to chime in. Right, how do we bring that good stuff that you're doing with crash reconstruction up to different states like New Jersey and stuff? 
Um, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, I'm telling you, it is the bread and butter. It's the easy way in. Um, in fact, in Virginia, I think, um, I think they had to go through some legislative changes to kind of finally get it approved. Um, but I think that's been done. And I, I, I think there's some agent. Well, I know, I don't want to put it out there because I don't know if they've made it public yet, but there's some agencies working on it. And, um, it, it, I'm telling you, it is, it's a great way. It, it helps the agency. It helps the citizens. Um, if, if it, just using it for crash reconstruction, it's, it's great for everyone and it's not intrusive. Um, it gets the road cleared faster. Um, you get a great product and it helps your investigation. Attorneys love it. Um, it, it's a good, good way. If anybody's got questions on how to start a program, you know, I can, I'm more than happy to help them out with it. I would love to get you up here and we're, we're like totally backwards. We're like the busiest place in the country, North Jersey at least. And our department of transportation, aviation stuff is, is like non-existent effectively. And that's no offense, but really what it comes down to is you don't hear about air transportation in Jersey. You don't hear about drones in Jersey. You hear about service transportation all the time. You hear about rails and roads and, and stuff and the port authority you know that runs the airports they deal with you know the, the aviation stuff but you just don't have top executive level support for these types of things in new jersey and i really think that that's something we're going to attack once this COVID thing ends and we can actually start like you know pounding a pavement a little bit because it's not an easy thing to do uh, on the phone you know, it's yeah, not my yeah. background. My background is wearing out the shoe leather, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, it's really hard to just make phone calls, cold call people and, and get them to engage on this stuff. And, and the executive branch is, is all wrapped up in dealing with COVID and dealing with elections and all the stuff like that. So it's really hard to penetrate that, that noise, you know what I'm saying, without getting in front of people. Yeah, we were, that's one thing we were fortunate in North Carolina. Um, you know, DOT does have a division of aviation. And they, they had, you know, I'll give them credit. They had a lot of um, foresight and they actually created a UAS division within Department of Aviation at DOT. And that, uh, that, that's helped a lot of things in North Carolina. They helped us with, um, you know, acquiring equipment and training and, you know, kind of doing things to get the word out and let other people know what we were doing. Um, so it, that, that definitely does help. And, you know, hopefully New Jersey and other states will embrace, you know, a similar model because it, it really does benefit everyone. And it's, um, you know, it's not an obtrus intrusive way to uh, start using the technology. So, so touching on Brian's point about opening the highways up and the citizens love <laughs> it, uh, working with, with Rutgers uh, last, I guess over the last year, uh, there's, a, there's a big interest in, in developing drones for action, accident reconstruction, but there's no consistent policy. And that, I think that's what's kind of lacking. The uh, Division of Aeronautics falls under the Department of Transportation in New Jersey. Uh, they, they wanted to have a model based on North Carolina. It was, uh, what works in, in North Carolina may not necessarily work in New Jersey. And, you know, same thing up here. Um, and, and that's really important to understand when you're, you're talking about, you know, laws, rules, regulations. Each state is different, has different needs. But, you know, drone use, opening up the highways, National Highway Transportation Safety Ministry, NHTSA, they want that road open because they have a, a cost assigned to every, every vehicle that's idling. You know, how many dollars are lost for the commuter getting back and forth to work down to the gas cost, right? So, you know, commerce, 
Um, the turnpike is a toll road in New Jersey. Of course, everybody lives off an exit except for me, right? Uh, yeah, you don't, don't live off an exit. Not within 20 miles of an exit, my friend. But, but they don't, you know, the toll roads, that, the whole thing is revenue. They want to push, they want that, 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 that lane shuts down, they're losing revenue. Um, and it sounds like a bad thing to talk about, but it, it's our economy that we're shutting down when we shut these lanes down. So having, you know, the worker protection, you know, limiting public safety, you know, the cops out there doing the measurements, you want to get those people out of that zone. You reduce the secondary crash, right? And again, like, to, you know, to Brian's point, you're really not being intrusive unless, you know, you happen to be along a highway and maybe you want to get a look over a fence, like timeout. We don't do that, right? So. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. So during your operations, if you're doing something and you kind of got that little voice in the back of your head, <laughs> it's time to press the pause button. You're probably doing something you shouldn't be. Um, again, it goes back to you don't want policy and case law coming out with your name on it. And we haven't, you know, we've been very law enforcement focused, but this also applies to the private sector. Because a lot of companies are, you know, implementing these programs too to use their drones, and you know they're flying along their. Well, you know, let's say you're, uh, you know, a utility, and you're flying along your lines, and you're collecting all sorts of other data that, that you're flying over <clears throat> around people's residences. So one of the things that this goes to what Brian and Ron was talking about is, if you're going to do a program, engage in a, you know, with your legal team that actually understands uh, uh, electronic privacy. And if they don't find someone that does while you're developing your program, because as again, you don't want to be oh after the fact. That just doesn't work well. You know, it's we've burned like 45 minutes already, which is incredible because this conversation is flying and we're hitting a lot of stuff. Um, I haven't had any questions out there at the moment. Like I said, I think we, we put a lot of people to sleep with this uh, nerdy conversation we have going on here. You know, I think we're just educating people and answer all the questions, right? <laughs> Hey, anybody see that uh, game on Sunday? The Giants got lost. They lost again. They were ahead, and they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. That's the New Jersey yeah. Giants, right? The Jersey Giants, yeah. That's it. We don't really want them. We got the Jets too, and between the two of them, they can't make a football team. I mean, what it's literally comes down to. There's high schools in New Jersey that would play them and win. So you know, it's 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 just bad. It's just bad. You know, it's uh, just, I just want to go real quick. If anybody out there, our whole that are left that aren't sleeping, want to ask any questions, please throw them up there. Um, you know, I want to thank Ron again for, for sponsoring this, Leach Strategic Partners. Ron does a lot of work for municipalities. And if you're a municipality or if you know anybody in a municipality who wants to start a program, a drone program, or, or fix their drone program, Ron's got to go to. Um, we're, we're always uh, looking to help out in any way we can. We just, we're here to promote, you know, education and safety in these UAS programs and UAS usage. So if anybody sees this recording, because not a lot of people seeing it live, please give us a shout uh, and we'll get you to the right people. So um, I want to go down that, the, the road, you know, we, we talked a lot about law enforcement again. Uh, because you guys are all law enforcement. Um, but what about like, Travis hit the private company side of that. Like, what's the, you know, you got li I'm sure there's liability out there for a company that sucks up a bunch of information has, is retaining it in some way, shape or form. There's probably some laws on the books about that. Or if not, 
who knows, there might be down the road. So if you're a private company, say you're, and I like to use New Jersey because that's where I live, you're, you're PSE&G or, or something, you're flying a pipeline patrol, you're flying a power line patrol, and you're sucking up, you know, information, you know, how do we deal with the privacy issues around that, right? Is, is there some privacy, expected privacy, if somebody's flying those patrols, right? I don't know. So the way that a lot of the utilities get around it is because, you know, part of your agreement when you sign up um, is the same as what Ron was talking about with Utilis, the user license agreement. So that you grant the access to the company to be able to come upon your property to read a meter, service a pole or service a line uh, around your uh, thing. And, and, and the same thing with monitoring. I mean, they're collecting data about how much, you know, you know megawatts you're using and so on and so forth. It is getting tricky because there have been cases whereby uh, some during some drone inspections, people have gotten angry um, on these things and they've shot them down. That happened recently uh, at a, a southern company down in Georgia. You know, one was flying a line and the little boy looked up there and was like, uh, no, and, and shot it down. <laughs> this, yes. So yeah. that's, that's a tension point. Uh, within within that framework, because you know, from the consumer standpoint, you're looking at it. Okay, well, you know, you drive your truck, you come, you do whatever, you, and, and you're gone. That's a different, you know, a different model than flying over and being finite. Because let's be honest, it's really difficult to be finite as you're, you know, you're flying the lines. You have a, a wide view, and you bring it down to the insulators and whatnot that are on the lines. Then you come back out to go forward and down. You're still collecting that 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 visual information, and there have been instances where things have been seen, and so the companies then are really in a trick bag. Of that again, I hate to say it because the three of us sitting here, but lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. So drones are you know, they're they're boosting the economy for the legal work, right? <laughs> Job creation. Uh, Wayne Bailey's asking the charge if you shoot down a drone. Um, hey, Wayne Bailey's from North Carolina, so. <laughs> that depends on your state, right? <laughs> yeah, no, not on that one. <laughs> no, no, that's a federal crime. You can't afford an aircraft, right? Is that what it is? What if you just wing it? We're talking about damage to property. Right? <clears throat> I guess that's, that's going to depend on the state. Yeah, but I, I thought FAA it was a federal crime to shoot down an aircraft. Well, yeah, the FAA considers it an aircraft. So, I mean, I think it comes down to. They're not going to do anything. How <laughs> how much are they really going to pursue it? Um, well, it's, it's probably going to depend on the circumstances. It's going to depend on how much attention it gets, how much do people care, and how much actual impact. carnage happened, impact. Um, so not saying anybody should do it, not saying it's okay, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just – I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's happened, but what's going to happen to that person? A couple of um, years ago in Tennessee, the same thing happened, and they, they charged the old boy with uh, damage to property and a uh, criminal. Uh, it was a misdemeanor. Uh, and it got pled out to civil, and he had to pay, he had to pay back for the value of the, uh, the property loss. So, you know, there's two. We know that <clears throat> most of this stuff isn't going to rise to a federal level at this time unless you're shooting down something carrying a, you know, like a, a blood plasma or, or, or you know, a 
whatever they call the donor. Right. Well, but, but how do you know? Right. I mean, so you think about it right now, let's just talk, let's, let's advance five years to the future. Let's say that Google and Amazon and all those companies um, get their way to, and they, they, they develop these drone delivery services. And now there's 400 a day flying over your house. And one day you wake up in a cranky mood. You're like, these damn things are waking me up. You get out there with the, with the old 12 gauge, there's a bird shot in it. I knock one of these things out of the sky. At some point, somebody's going to want, if it's a, if there's a federal law in the book that says you can't shoot down an aircraft, I mean, somebody's at some point going to drive it that far, right? Somebody's going to take it that far. You know, is there, is there going to be uh, a deterrent effect at some point, or is there going to be a toning down of that law to say, look, it's not really an air. You're not really hurting anybody. It's just property damage. It's not like you're shooting down a 737. We really need to classify in the same way from a, in a, from a criminal perspective. So, so a couple so things. It looks, it's, it's you know, is, is it a hobby or is it an aircraft in the eyes of the FAA, right? And then let's let's talk about the federal statute interfering with an aircraft or air crew. You shoot an aircraft, a 107 person down doing an inspection. Unfortunately, and this is not a fault of the FAA, they don't have the staffing to be able to go and properly investigate. They're going to rely on the boots on the ground cops who are out there taking the complaint. You know, the bigger issue for the cops in the field, and this is my opinion only, is, hey, you just got somebody with a shotgun taking an aircraft, well, whatever they're using, you know, some kind of, you know, kinetic energy weapon. What happened to the rest of that? You're now exposing the public for, you know, your annoyance is now causing some, you know, potential harm to other people. So, you know, Again, you're going to have to sort that thing out. And, and, and like to your point, you know, we talked about, Ray, with, with the lasers. I mean, lasing aircraft, until the FAA started making an example with jail time and heavy fines, which I'm not a you know, proponent of saying, you know, use the hammer first. But, you know, when you have somebody acting maliciously on purpose, you got to, you, you know, it's beyond, beyond clueless and careless. You know, you're, you're now reckless and, you know, causing, you know, potential problems for national airspace. You have to go and say, Hey, look, this person did this activity. Here's the prosecutorial part of it. And until you have something that you can hold up to the public, you're really not going to have much of a, a, of a, a deterrent effect. Right. So the laser like, thing is huge to me. Go ahead, Brian. No, I was going to say, it looks like Wayne in the comments gave us an article. Yeah, yeah I see that. I can't and, read it. It's that far away. Uh, it, it looks like there's a guy from uh, Minnesota that was charged with two felony counts last week for shooting down a $1,900 drone. So like a P4P or something. It's, um, it's, that's local. And again, that's state and local. And, pro, that, and that's where the right. enforcement is going to be. Because as we as we all know, that's where most of all law enforcement really exists in, the, in anyway. It's at the state and local level. The feds, we just come in after the fact, right? Yep. After the fact. <laughs> that's right. And it, 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 it circles back to the you know, part of the remote ID. And, and Travis, uh, you had a contact that was, you know, that, that pointed out that you know, you're going to be able to tell somebody's a felon or maybe you may have a weapon or not. Like, why is the FAA even going to you know, go down that road? It's, it's really not their purview. Um, again, privacy issues for, for the public. Who has access to what information? As, as a cop rolling up on the scene, you're, you're, you're privy to, to knowing some of the facts ahead of time. But, you know, un, until you really know what's going on. And I think this guy here looks like he was charged federally. So, We'll see if that sticks there or gets remanded down to the state or local level at that point. Yeah, that'll be yeah, definitely interesting to follow. Do want to deal with these things? I mean, or, or can you charge a guy with a federal crime in a state court? I don't, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a cop. No, I don't think you can. No. 
it's the state has the ability to charge somebody in the state. You have to bring in a federal prosecutor or someone. And I'll give you the example our, our motor vehicle inspection people. They have certain regulatory authority at the federal level where they can write uh, U.S. statutes, U.S. code. But for the most part, law enforcement is restricted to their jurisdictional boundaries, so to speak. Travis probably had carte blanche nationwide there and charge somebody. You can probably answer that one better, right? So really what this comes down to is, um, is imperatives. So, you, you know, in, up in your area, Ray, your average person that shoots a drone down, unless it really has impede, impedance on air traffic or something like that, you know, they're, they're going to look at you and the U.S. attorneys will be like, really? <laughs> However, if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you might have a better chance of getting something like that prosecuted, which is like that Minnesota example. And, that, and that's just unfortunately the way the system is. It's interesting because in my area, I'm in North Jersey, so I'm in, a, I'm in Bergen County. It's pretty densely populated. It's um, well-regulated, as Ron knows, firearms are well-regulated in New Jersey. Somebody shoots anything in New Jersey, they're getting prosecuted. It's just the way it is. I mean, you, you don't want to fire a gun around this place. So I think it might be more likely to get prosecuted if somebody shoots something out of the sky. But just for the firearm aspect of it, more than the drone aspect of it, right? Um, we're like two minutes to kill time here. So this this flew by. I mean, this is great. I'm glad you guys, you know, stuck around for this. I know Brian said you got to get out of here right by like six. Yeah, ish. Six-ish? This is like, ish. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. Like my, my wife and kids are out of the house. My, my heat went out today. So every time we do a webinar, by the way, something breaks in my house. So today I woke up this well, morning. Right. <laughs> Luckily it was warm out and I got a fireplace. But um, so the guy was supposed to be here at 3.30. It's like six o'clock now. He hasn't shown up yet. And they make uh, fun of us because we don't have internet connection down here, right? <laughs> <laughs> South Jersey, yeah, North Jersey there. thing. I've been there. Like, like, now you're, 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 you're <laughs> back to the devil, <laughs> the Jersey devil. It's crushing my mojo here. With there you go. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun for I sure. I said you barely have roads where you are. That's what I said. Eh, cow path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to ride your tractor down the street to the local corner store. See, so you Southern boys, Carolina. yeah, see, yeah. You, you Southern boys, man. See, I, I, see what I got to put up with here in South Jersey, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> one of those North Jersey elitists. That's what I am. Drinking <laughs> my bourbon. <clears throat> Actually, this bourbon is from Park City, Utah, by the way. I, this is the elitist bourbon from Park City, Utah. So is it is it really bourbon then? Oh, well, yes, oh, bourbon man. doesn't have to be made in Kentucky. If you've never been to Kentucky Bourbon Fest, they'll teach you that. New Oak Barrel? Yeah, there What's you that? go. <laughs> yeah, oak barrel. It's got, can't come out more than a certain proof. It's uh, got to be more than fifty-one percent corn. I'm just reciting all the stuff I learned at Bourbon Fest last year. Travis, you get that though, still going yet, or what? The what? That's still the Travis. You get that still going? I see moonshiners. I watch that TV show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that's also in North Carolina. <laughs> well, you know, I do want to paint with a broad brush. <laughs> hey, funny story about this, this, this high West. I happened to be working out in Salt Lake city 
uh, doing some stuff for FAA. And I was staying up in Park City because I'd never been there. And I'm, I'm just kind of cruising. I, I'd seen High West before, didn't have had it. Never knew where the hell it was made. I'm strolling down the street and lo and behold, the High West distillery is like right down at the bottom of the hill in Park City, Utah. So, and the clouds think, parted and the sunbeams came down. Yes, I think this bottle actually might have come from, I think I might have stuffed a couple of my suitcase. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting kind of a story. It's uh, not It's not Kentucky whiskey. Not Kentucky whiskey. Boom. If you guys want to stay on, we can. If not, we can We can kill it. I know you guys have uh, things to do and probably need to get dinner, but uh, it's up to you. I've got to jump off, but y'all are more than welcome to stay nah, on. Well, Travis has got to eat dinner. All right. So um, anyway, let's wrap this up. Thank you guys. This is fantastic. I want to do more of these um, on different topics. We have plenty of whiskey um, and uh, I'm hoping we can, I want to roll through my collection one at a time, drinking these things as we go. Um, Everybody who showed up and everybody who stayed awake, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. This is going to be posted on the website. We're going to, it's recorded. We'll post on the website. I got to figure out how to do the YouTube thing. I have no idea because I'm not that tech savvy. My 12-year-old will probably know more than I do. My seven-year-old will probably know more than I do. But um, at some point, we'll do that. Anyway, Leach Strategic Partners, Ron Leach, thank you very much for sponsoring this. And My pleasure. You have a great night. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.